another episode of Doable Discipleship. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Doug Jones. And I'm Jason Wheeland. Doable Discipleship, as you probably know by now, is a podcast and YouTube show put on by Saddleback Church designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we call it. It's it's called the show that helps you grow. Yeah, it yeah. sure is. Well, today is an exciting day because we got our homeboy, our good friend, a returning guest of the show, Johnny Baker, on to talk about his new book, which is called what, Jason? It's called The Road to Freedom. I'm extraordinarily excited because this is our first opportunity to do like a book book interview with the author. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like inside track. Yeah, this will be really cool. So, um you guys may have heard Johnny from our previous episode, episode 12, I believe mm-hmm. is what it was. Yeah. And so if you did not go back and listen to that one, a great intro into Celebrate Recovery and um, talking about all um, everything that that is about. And so today we're talking about his new book, which is called The Road to Freedom. And uh, we're excited to have him back on. So wherever you are, give Johnny Baker a big round of applause as we join him now. <music> We're here with Johnny Baker. Johnny, thanks for coming. Hey Welcome guys, back. Thanks for back. Uh, I don't know. Round of applause for first time book releaser. Yes. Thank you. Very, 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 very cool. Good. Thank you. Once Excited. again, this is the. Uh, I don't know. Which Get a good look. Go. Uh, you don't yeah. have a camera. Put no, it in Johnny's. Put one in. I am. <laughs> it's in Johnny's view. All right, we'll we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure it that out. It is in Johnny's camera. Yeah. We should just put it here the whole time. I'm just kidding. Just yeah, I know. We have a book stand. We should have sat it up right here. Yeah. Well, man, we're excited to talk with you today. Thanks, man. Got a few questions. We just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit, help people understand what this book is all about. Great. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to dig into it. Yeah. You want to lead us off, Jason? I think I got the first question. All right. So, Johnny, um, just, so how have you seen God use your story as a testimony for his love and grace? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's so much of what the, at least the beginning of this book is about. So I've been a part of Celebrate Recovery since it was founded in 1991 mm. um, here at our church, Saddleback Church, by Pastor John Baker and Cheryl Baker, who but their names sound familiar because they're my parents. Just incidentally. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. being a 15-year-old kid, they wouldn't leave me at home alone. And I had to, you know, kind of come with them. They're smarter than uh, they look. And so they had me come <laughs> with them on Friday nights. And so I just, so the, the a big part of the introduction of this book is just me going through kind of my, how I got started in Celebrate Recovery and the whole thing. And part of Celebrate Recovery in general are testimonies. It's what God is doing in our lives. And I have seen in my life and in the life of thousands of people from all over the world how God can work through a sanctification process like Celebrate Recovery to help us overcome our hurts, hangups, and habits. And then not just to do that selfishly for myself, but then to be able to be a part of other people finding that in their lives. And the cool thing about that at Celebrate Recovery is you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a baker, you just need to be in the program, yeah. and you can be a part of that in other people's lives as well. Yeah. And so for me, it's all about testimony. It's mm-hmm. all about hearing how God has worked in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And um, you know whether that testimony is the most exciting testimony you've ever heard or one that somebody would say is vanilla and kind of plain, you go... <laughs> like mine. I, I call it out because we had a conversation <clears throat> about this not that long ago. Yeah. But, but the idea that a testimony doesn't have to be this you know, amazing story of, you know, addiction and, and all those things. It can be, yeah. this is how God has worked in my life and helped me overcome something as, as simple as putting, you know, wanting to look like I have it all together yeah. or um, judging other people or body image or whatever that thing is. So, yeah. you know, it's been, a, it, that's an exciting part of recovery for me. Yeah. And, and God uses our testimonies and in ways that I think we're not really able to see on our <clears throat> own until somebody else points out, oh, 
do you see how God's worked there? Do you yeah. see how God's doing there? And you know, every, at, at Celebrate Recovery, we alternate lessons with testimonies. Hmm. And I don't think there's ever been someone who has shared a testimony where somebody hasn't said, that was my story. And the funny thing about it is the stories can be wildly different. <laughs> yeah. And you go, no, that was nothing like yeah. your life. But there's a part of it that resonated Connects. with that yeah. person, you know? And so uh, kind of in that way that somebody will come to Saddleback and they'll say, I felt like Rick was talking directly to me. When somebody mm-hmm. shares their testimony, it has a similar effect mm-hmm. because it's... Um, it's allowing it's allowing people to see what God has done in your life, yeah. and so I've been able to see that happen for me lots and lots of times. Where you just you start talking to somebody about your life and your story and how God showed up for you, and all of a sudden they go, well, I'd, "I'd like that as well." Yeah, you know. And every single the story of every single believer is a recovery story, right? Because yeah. each and every one of us is turning from something old and becoming something new. Yeah, we're turning from an old way of being and thinking and doing and into something different. That's that's why what you do is so similar to what we do in terms of moving people along this discipleship journey. Yeah. <clears throat> Turning people toward Christ and into a new life. We tell we tell people all the time recovery is a discipleship program. Yeah. You know, and I even say in the in the book, one of the, the secret is it's a sanctification process. That's, yeah, I love when you said that. It's yeah, about that's leading so us closer cool. to Jesus, you know. And I think that that is something that is, you know, it it is this is where I was, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, you yeah. know? And I think that's that's really the recovery story. And you're, you're right, any Christian who's been on that road, uh, they've experienced that. And what's, you know, one of the things that is really important for me, and I probably even said it the first time we got together, but I, it's one of the things that I say a, a lot is that Celebrate Recovery is not just for drug addicts and alcoholics. It yeah. is for anybody with a hurt, hang up, or habit. That means mm-hmm. anybody who's been hurt by someone else or hurt other people, which is all of us. Mm-hmm. It's for anybody who has something that uh, they wish they could kind of stop thinking about, or they're they're running something over their mind, or they let people have too much influence in their lives, or yeah, somebody who's got a, a habitual problem. Yeah. But all of us could benefit from going through a recovery type program because, yeah. like I said, like we've all said, it's basically a sanctification, yeah, discipleship program. What I, I want to know. <clears throat> let me just get this out. Can I? Yeah, just. <clears throat> I want to know how you turned the corner from. Uh, you've been thinking about this stuff for a while, I'm sure. You've been going through this process. You've been involved in Celebrate Recovery for such a long time. Yeah. How did you turn the corner and say, it's time to make a book out of this? Yeah, I think there was that moment of just saying, like, I've learned a lot of lessons that apply to my life and apply to non not only just recovery, but to life in general. Yeah. And it just sort of... Um, it, once I kind of had that aha moment of like, there's at least 10 things that I've learned through Celebrate Recovery. And these aren't all of the things I've learned, but they're yeah. 10 of the things that I've learned that I think really do apply to all areas of life. And and what was cool is through that process, they kind of started these general things and they get more personal as as it goes. And I'd love mm-hmm. to say that it was that was on purpose, but it wasn't. It just sort of kind of happened that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was just this moment of saying, I think that there are things that I have learned in recovery that people who have never heard about Celebrate Recovery could benefit from. And mm-hmm. then those people who have been in recovery for a long time can benefit from. Yeah. And a lot of this actually happened because of my wife. My, my wife has supported me in my own recovery journey since I started seeking mm-hmm. sobriety. But because we had young kids, she mm-hmm. wasn't able to attend Celebrate Recovery for herself at the time. The way she helped me was she took care of stuff at home on Friday nights when I was Mm -hmm. gone. And she Mm -hmm. took care of stuff when I had to go to meetings and was doing my, you know, when I was really chasing sobriety. Yeah. And she supported me in that way. Years later, she was able to do recovery for herself. And Mm -hmm. she began telling me, well, I can apply recovery to this parenting situation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, by this time I'd been on staff for a long time (laughs) and had seen all this stuff. And I'm going, 
oh yeah, I guess recovery does apply to parenting. That's so interesting. And she was able to kind of, as she applied her recovery to her life and, and had a, you know, she's not an alcoholic. She's never, she's not an area of interest for her. She's never been a drinker, wasn't ever into it. And so she, she's applied it in different ways. And she just kind of, in in a number of different ways, just gave me these big aha moments of like, oh, Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Recovery doesn't just apply to one part of my life, but it applies to every part of my life. Yeah. And so I think that those kind of those situations kind of came together. And then, you know, the coolest thing is once I started, it was just like, all of this has to get out. This just has to get out of my fingers, yeah. you know? And so I would sit um, on, you know, at nights and weekends and things like that away from work and write and just at coffee, sh- lots of coffee shops and <laughs> lots of late nights at my kitchen table, just, God, all of these words have to get out of me right now. Yeah. You know, so, I'm so. sure there's a there's an aspect of you kind of like you the dam breaks a little bit and you right. start flowing and it just starts right. rushing. Yeah, and the worst part of it is is then <clears throat> it's you know time to go to bed or a kid yeah. starts crying or you got to <laughs> yeah. go to a meeting yeah. or something like that as you your mid sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. But one thing too, like uh, I don't know if there's any writers out there, but one thing I learned is if you're having a thought and then you get a new thought on something else, don't try to fight that. Yeah. Close that document, open a new one, and start writing that new document yeah. because chances are you'll come back to what Lose you were them. writing. Yeah. But there are plenty of times where I lost ideas going, no, I'm writing chapter two right now <laughs> yeah. and i have a chapter i have an idea for this other lesson and yeah. instead just going okay put that away yeah, write this other thing then i don't kind of go back you know for so sure. but yeah you're right there are just those moments of you know where where it just feels like i'm in the zone right yeah. now you know yeah. and then there are also moments where you're staring at that blank screen that <laughs> cursor just closer to the deadline the writer's block is yeah. real <laughs> look at how you're going oh. i've had all the caffeine <laughs> and i still have no ideas <laughs> Dude, you say something in the book that I uh, think is really great. You talk about how nobody escapes pain. Yeah. Pain comes for everybody. Yeah. And then you talk about how pain has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you see Jesus Christ using pain for good in people's lives? Yeah, I, I believe Jesus will use the pain in your life to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, that when things are good, I notice for myself, when things are good, my quiet times lack my prayer life gets a little spottier because I'm feeling good. I'm running yeah. on a good, I'm running well. When my life gets worse, I start leaning on God harder. Yeah. And the idea is, well, what if I was able to lean on God during those good times as well? Maybe they wouldn't get as bad, right? Yeah. But I do believe that God's that God is going to use pain in your life to get your attention. It's a I, I say it's a great motivator. Yeah. Um, and you know, C.S. Lewis said that pain is is God's megaphone to a deaf world, and yeah. that you know when we're having a good time, God can can be sort of off, yeah, on the sure. shelf a little bit. When we're hurting, we we spend more time with Him. And I relate it to toothaches. I don't like going to the dentist. I'm not a fan of of that. And uh, and so, but one you. one Plenty way I go to, to the dentist is when I am in pain. Yeah. You know, when my when my tooth really really hurts. It's gotten my attention, and now I have to do something about it. Yeah, what I'm trying to get better at in my life and in my, you know, my tooth care is to say, <laughs> maybe what if I do something when I notice that pain mm-hmm. instead of when that pain is unbearable. Mm-hmm. So if it's something in our lives 
when you start to notice that something is out of whack, maybe the relationship doesn't have to dissolve before I begin to work on mm. the relationship. Maybe the the issue in my life doesn't have to spin out of control and cost me all of these things before I begin to deal with it. Because mm. I believe God's only going to turn that pain up in your life and allow you to experience that pain until you do what he wants you to do, which is turn to him. Yeah. And so pain is a motivator. I believe Jesus allows that to happen in our lives so that we turn our lives to him. Yeah. And the the hope is that we get better and quicker at turning to him when our lives get, when the pain in our life shows up. But yeah. I, I think pain is, is, you know, I mean, as a parent, you know, there are times where you use discipline as a way to get your kid's attention. And yeah. you, you, you know, I'm going to keep taking things away until yeah. you do this. Mm -hmm. I believe God does the same thing. I'm just going to keep turning that up in your life until you finally turn to me. And then yeah. when you do work, I'm here for you. I'm going to work yeah. with you. And I'm going to help you. But. And there's no substitute for it. No. Nothing, nothing speaks to us the way pain does. No. No, and it, cu it cuts through the static, you know, yeah. you can, you can be going really well. And we've all had those experiences too, where you're having a great day and you're like, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, this yeah. life is amazing. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, you can't remember that great day anymore because now yeah. things have fallen apart. Yeah. And, and, you know, same, same thing as, as a, a, a slow building pain, that, that yeah. real quick acute pain can get your attention really quickly. And yeah. I think what happens a lot for people in recovery is we look for other things to take care of that pain, to numb that pain. My experience with alcohol was it became medicine for me. I wanted just to kind of turn the world down a little bit. I wasn't out partying and doing all that kind of stuff. It was a lot of time in my room. We had a, a, a den and the lights off and just watching you know, a movie and just kind of putting the world away. Mm. And uh, I was trying to cover up pain. And it wasn't until, you know, you kind of do some work in recovery where you begin with your core issue, the thing that's causing you pain right now. And you start to get a little help in that issue, no matter what the area is. But then you dig a little deeper. We, we call it a lot of times peeling the onion, mm -hmm. you know, where you get to the next layer down, next layer down. And the hope is to get to that core issue, that yeah. thing that really is causing the pain in your life. Because alcoholism was a symptom for me. Mm. It was causing me pain, but it wasn't the core of my pain. It was a symptom of my pain. Yeah. It wasn't until I began to dig down to what I believe today, and maybe there's even layers underneath this, and that's the part of recovery is it doesn't stop for me. Mm. But anxiety and you know a low self-esteem tend to be those triggers for me that cause me to want to do other stuff. And so mm. what I'm trying to do now is apply the principles of recovery to those, what I think are core issues, because if I don't deal with those, it'll just become something else. Yeah. It'll just become another thing that I begin to cover up that pain with. Yeah. And because pain has to be dealt with. Yeah. It, it has to be dealt with. You're yeah. either going to go get a cavity mm. drilled or your tooth's going to get pulled. Or you're going to get a root canal, but at some point that pain's going to get dealt with. Or you're going to try to numb it with some other uh, yeah. process, but yeah. some, you're going to do something right. about right. it, whether healthy or unhealthy. And that's right. what's so special about the book being called The Road to Freedom is, as you see, like, is there is a path to freedom. There right. is a path right. To, you know, and that's found in, in Jesus. Right. And that's what you point people to in the Jesus book. tells us over and over and over again, you've been called to freedom. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that's the thing where so many of us feel like, now, does that mean I'm not going to sin ever again? No. Does that yeah. mean that I'm free to drink? No. Yeah. Right. Like I have to, there are certain things in my life I have to put boundaries on. Right. But the reality of it is, is that, and this is something I didn't understand early in recovery. When I first uh, attended recovery meetings, court ordered ones, <laughs> that, <laughs> what, I didn't have a problem yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember somebody saying, 
the day I was able to admit I was an alcoholic was the most freeing day of my life because it meant I never had to drink again. And me in oh, denial wow. sat mm. there thinking, there's no freedom mm. in that. Because mm. once I admit I'm an alcoholic, I never get to drink again. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't until years later that I went, oh, I get that now. The freedom is in not having to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in, it's in being free of the desire. It's in being free of the need. It's in being free. It's not, well, I can go do whatever I want now. You know, it's don't use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. And I think yeah. that's the key there. You know, God has called us to a free, abundant life. My sponsor, Mac, always says, do you think John 10, 10 happens when you go to heaven? Mm. That God, that Jesus came mm. to give you a, a, an abundant life someday? Yeah. No, that life starts now. Right. And that yeah. life starts w- with freedom. Mm. And that's the thing about, you know, we, we often talk about recovery as a road, because again, it's a step-by-step process and it leads you to a somewhat of a destination for many of us it takes a lot of laps to get to that destination (laughs) but but the idea being you don't have to be owned by those things you don't have to be a slave to your hurts hangups and habits you can find freedom from them yeah Yeah. and i've seen it happen in my life and i've seen it happen in thousands of people's lives here at saddleback and millions of people all around the world through celebrate recovery Mm. you know so i think i think a big part of any discipleship process or sanctification process or recovery process is increasing your vision your ability to see into the dark patches right. of your life mm-hmm. and to understand not just not just understand that something is there but start gaining hold of what is there and how to deal with it and when you talked about pain how you're with recovery you're getting you're getting to the point where you can start seeing what your pain is indicating right. and what that's causing in your life and you can start connecting the dots so there's a big kind of vision or i think the biblical terminology would be this the illuminating mm-hmm. of christ that mm-hmm. kind of that light shines into all those corners and it really you talked about how the freedom comes from the lack of the desire or the need or that kind of thing. It's it's really a regaining of control, right? right? I mean, you're you're taking control back through through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. You're getting control back over your own life. A less of some more of Christ. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we one the the second um, well the first principle of recovery is realize I'm not God and I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things that my life is unmanageable and it mm. starts with this idea that I am powerless mm. because so many of us try so hard to be the ones to control mm. our issues, especially mm. as it gets into addiction. Uh, but, you know, one thing we talk about a lot in recovery is codependency and codependency it basically involves other people. Mm. My form of codependency is people pleasing. I, I need you to like me. Mm. You know, I need, I need strangers to like me. I, you know what I mean? Like there's a part of me that just, I want people to like me. That can be really draining. It can yeah. be really exhausting. And you can find that you become different people you around different people. Yeah. yeah, you 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 know, and, and who are you really and all these things happen. Mm. That can be a draining process. Yeah. And when when you're trying to become something for someone else or whatever the issue is, you realize I'm doing that because I feel powerless in some area of my life. Mm. And as you begin to dig through and peel those layers of the onion to get deeper and deeper to the core, now I can say, okay, I feel like I need to, I, I'm feeling squirrely i feel like i need to go buy something or Hmm. eat something or you know look at something or whatever that however it's manifesting yeah i've been in recovery long enough to go am i anxious Hmm. am i tired do i feel like i need to people please do i feel like i'm not you know what i mean there's a there's a series of questions i can Hmm. ask myself and i can go oh i'm anxious yeah okay what do you do when you worry johnny you pray you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so you're right. You kind of begin to you understand the thing behind right, the yeah. thing. Right. You stop yeah. going, I don't know how that happened. 
Yeah. I don't know. I just, my computer opened One up day and I there woke was pornography and... on it. I don't know how that happened. You're <laughs> right. like, no, this is how that happened. You yeah. know, I don't know how I spent money I didn't have. No, I do know. <laughs> yeah. I wanted something or whatever, whatever it goes, you know, and for each person that's going to be different, you're going to, yeah. as you go through recovery, you begin to learn that process of saying, why do I do the things that I do? Mm. In the beginning, you don't know. In the beginning, it's just like, I can't stop. I remember I'd lay in bed at night and the room would spin around me and I'd go, God, please help me stop this. Hmm. And then the next day I'd go, I'm glad I got through that. Let's go back out, you yeah. know? And hmm. it wasn't until later on that I began applying the principles of recovery and going, oh, hmm. oh, I'm doing this because I'm stressed all the time. Yeah. I'm doing this because I don't feel like I add up. I'm doing this because I'm anxious all the time. And it took it took a long time. Hmm. You know, I think for a lot of people, if they're going through recovery right now, and they're like, I've been in recovery for a few weeks. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, that's how it goes. It takes a while. <laughs> you know, it, take, it takes some time. And I even talk about there are some people, uh, I talk about this in the book, there's some people, myself included, that are going to be lifers. We're going to be in recovery for a real long time. Other people? Maybe they're going to go through a, a season of recovery. They're going to go through a step study. It's going to take about a year. They're going to learn some things about themselves, and they're going to move on. Mm. Others of us are going to say, no, this is where I'm going to be because serving other people leads me to deeper healing in my life as mm. well. Mm -hmm. And while I may not, quote unquote, need to attend meetings to stay sober anymore, I need to serve other people mm. because that helps me stay sober, and it helps me go deeper into my recovery, and mm. it leads to deeper healing in my life. That's so. great. It's really good. Take us on the next one. Um, one other element in the book that you talked about was the idea of of making small and steady improvements yeah. rather than overnight change, yeah. just trying to jump all right in. Can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I think what happens for a lot of people is whatever change it is that they need to make, we want it to happen yesterday. You know, you look in the mirror, you, you realize you got to lose weight. You go, how do I lose 10 pounds yesterday? You know, you, you want to change your life. It, it, it's, I want this immediate it's the immediate change. culture. Yeah. And what happens for a lot of people, especially as it, as it relates to addiction issues is we'll pray and we'll say, God, take this desire away from me. And now I got to be honest, sometimes he does. I, I know people who have, who have prayed that prayer and God has taken the desire for them to drink away. Other people like myself, it, it was a slower process to get there. Hmm. The reality of it is, though, is that if we look for overnight change, we're actually going to burn out because it's not really sustainable and it's not hmm. actual change. But small, steady growth, small, steady improvement is actual measurable change where we can say, I'm changing a little bit every day. Now, hmm. does that mean I'm going to... If I'm drinking 12 beers a day, I'll drink 11 tomorrow and count that as change. No, mm. there are some things that we need to look for. <laughs> we need to look for some change in. But to say I'm going to be perfect, I'm going to be made completely just new and done, and I'm never going to struggle again, that's where we get in trouble. Yeah. But if we can look for, especially in relationships, if we can begin to look for are we changing or is he changing or is she changing or am I changing progressively and slowly that's actually sustainable over the long run and i talk about this in the in the book but i relate it to marathon training mm. a, a number of years ago i tried to run a half marathon with my brother-in-law and he gave me a program on run a mile take a day off run a mile take a day off and i did that for about three days and i realized that i'm way too athletic for this program and so i was just gonna run <laughs> uh, a ton yeah and uh, ended up uh, blowing out my IT band and bruising a bone in my foot because mm. I ran 120 <laughs> miles in six weeks after 
not running at all for decades. And so um, really overdid it. But in my quest to become a marathoner, I went from zero to 60 real fast. Yeah. When I got healthy again and healed up and the doctor said I could run again, I laced up my shoes and went out the door and just was like, I hate this. What am I doing? Hmm. And never ran again and still haven't all these years later. And I go through the math of let instead of doing that, let's say I'd run 10 miles a week over hmm. all these years, it'd be thousands of miles racked up instead of 100 miles racked up. Yeah. And I think that's true in our lives as well. When we try to do all of it right away, um, the change isn't sustainable. It's it's you know we when mm. you talk to when you talk to the folks from the Daniel Plan they'll they'll tell you too if you try to change everything all at once, it's not sustainable. Yeah, but if yeah. you try to make small steady improvements, and that's really where the steps come in and the and the principles come in because they really help us go through it, uh, you know, and lead us through this this yeah. process. Mm. Yeah, it's something that we talk a lot about on our team, and we talked about it in the habits episode that we did a while back with Rob. It's just the idea of if no matter kind of what it is that you want to start right. or stop, right? You know, it's 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 hard to go either full out or cold turkey. Yeah. It can be it can be hard. Yeah, and I think you know one thing I've learned is that it's really easy to start a bad habit. Yeah, and it's really hard to start start a good one, mm -hmm. and the inverse is true as well. It's really mm -hmm. easy to break a good habit, and really <laughs> hard to break a bad one. I don't know what yeah. that is, but you know, just what, whatever you're talking about there. And I think to give yourself some measurable goals. So what it's a, if it's a budget, and you say well, I'd like to save money. Well, saying I want to save money is just as good as not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But saying this yeah. is the budget program we're going to use, and this yeah. is how much we're going to save, and this is what we're going to do with it when we do that gives you some goals that gives you a process to set out and something yeah. to measure against. Um, you know, so whether it's, you know, if it's a diet, I want to lose this much weight and I'm going to do it this way. Well, if you say I'm going to lose a hundred pounds this month, forget yeah. about it. You yeah. know what I mean? And so same thing with recovery. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop being a jerk. I'm going to do all this is the, all of those things are going to happen, mm -hmm. but they're going to happen in small 24 hour increments. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's the thing that is, that can be frustrating is people are, people often say like, when is my spouse going to notice how much I've changed? And it's like, maybe not for a <laughs> long time. Yeah. That's why you come to group and we notice how much you've changed, but she's watched you or he's watched you go through years of this yeah. and they've watched a little bit of change happen. We want to see progressive change that builds on itself. Yeah. I think that, and that's what's so special about it too, is that down the line is your character will change. Right. You may, you may not realize it, but the people around you will. And that's why accountability and fellowship is so important, yeah. not just in recovery, but I think in the Christian walk, because mm -hmm. I think so often we don't recognize the things in ourselves that other people do bad or good. You know, we may not realize that my temper has gotten really short, hmm. but somebody around us can go, why'd you talk to that waitress that way? Hmm. You, you had to wait two minutes and you snapped at the waitress. Not that that's ever happened to me, but, um, you know, <laughs> I've heard people do that. Uh, but like somebody else can look in your life and hopefully gentle and lovingly say to you, hey, that's out of whack. Same thing on the other side of it. As you grow, somebody might say, you're a totally different person than you used to be. That mm. used to would have set you off. And now you yeah. looked at it and you chuckled and you went, okay, well, waitress was late or whatever, whatever yeah. it was, you know? <laughs> and, but I think sometimes we don't notice those changes in our lives, but someone else around us can point it out to us. And I think it's mm -hmm. really important. I think it's important that we do that for other people as well, that, you know, we say to each other, Hey, good job on that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you you could have you totally could have gone off the rails, and instead you did this. Or mm -hmm. I I noticed I noticed some change in your life. I think it's really important that we encourage each other, and it's not something that we're really kind of culturally 
told to do, but it yeah. goes a long way for sure. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. You talked a minute ago about how serving others helps you in turn. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about how that plays out, how you see that playing out for people? Yeah, totally. I think that serving other people is really a marker that we're in recovery. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is there's a difference between being sober and being in recovery. Sobriety is abstaining from something. Recovery is about being a part of something. Recovery mm. is all areas of your life. And what I want is I want mm. recovery. And so for me, a huge part of recovery is helping other people get what I've gotten. It's actually part of the eight principles, which is yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, mm. both by my actions and by my words. And so if I'm not doing that, I'm actually not in recovery. And the idea being that if I'm helping other people, it reminds me of how far I've come. When I see somebody who is three days sober show up on a Friday night and they are shaking and they're, you know, they're, they're looking around and they're, mm. they're hurting, I go, right, that was me 14, 15 years ago. Mm. I, I don't want to go back there. So when I started to get this idea of, I bet you could handle, nope. That's what that's what that that's thing what that leads to. to. Yeah. And when I serve other people and I help them, I actually end up doing something really exciting, which is serving Jesus. Hmm. Jesus tells us that whenever we give a cup of water, visit someone in prison, serve someone who is sick in his name, that we did it. When we do that for the least of these, we did it for him. Mm -hmm. the, that it means that I'm literally serving Jesus when I serve yeah. someone else. To me, that is so exciting. He's given me so much, and not that I'm earning it back or that I'm, you know, that that he needs that from me. But out of a, a thankful, grateful heart, I get to serve him by serving other people. Right. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's hard to serve other people because they're not thanking you the way that you wish you were thanked, or they're not noticing it. But none of that escapes Christ's notice. Right. And so for me. There's a couple of things at play. One, it reminds me of how far I've come or where I don't want to go again. I help, I get to be a part of this long legacy of change in people's lives. So someone did that for me. I get to do that for someone else. They get to do that for someone else. By the way, the person that did it for me, someone did it for them who did it for them. And I'm yeah. a part of this chain of, of change in people's lives, and myself included. But then I also get to serve Jesus in a real tangible way. Hmm. Um, and so it's exciting for me. One thing we have to be careful about about is there's a lot of people who, when um, we talk about service, codependency and Christian lifestyle can actually look really similar. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'll talk about being selfless and give to people and don't, you know, don't be upset if they ask for more. And the whole thing is like, people are like, well, wait, I'm trying not to be codependent. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, the, the difference there is who am I trying to serve? So if that person is the actual, that's the person I'm trying to serve, that's codependency. If Christ is the one I'm trying to serve, that's mm -hmm. a Christian lifestyle. And so for me, a lot of times, just I, whenever I say these kinds of things, I always run it through my codependency filter of like, oh, you're telling me I have to do, mm -hmm. I have to do this for people and I've just learned how to set boundaries and to not be walked over and all of that's good. But at some point, serving other people, no matter what our area of recovery is, is a, is a huge part of it. Yeah. And if nothing else, it helps us see other people get what we have gotten. And, you know, I mean, it, it, what my life has changed so much in recovery, I want everybody to have what I've gotten. 
I want everybody to get a taste of what Jesus has done for me. And if that means that I'm gonna shop around some water on a Friday night, great. If that means I'm gonna teach on Friday night, great. If that means yeah. I'm gonna pick somebody up and take them to an appointment if I can, great. You know, and so I think that that's. But but service really it takes us out of it and it helps us put some of our focus on other people. And for a lot of us, that's that's a foreign idea. Yeah. Because I'm I'm thinking about myself a lot of the time. There's got to yeah. be something so special too about being a part of this family that is serving together yeah. that is doing together you know everybody you get to know more people and people come around you offer encouragement you know yeah. that kind of stuff and check it's you're a part of this group this family and just watching people's lives change man i mean like yeah. watching watching somebody come in with their hat low and their arms folded because they don't want to be there to within a matter of months raising their hands in worship you go uh, what yeah. else? What else would I want to do? You know what I mean. And then they're bringing yeah. people, and they're they're keeping that thing going. And it's just like you know, yeah, it's it's you know, it's the thing where it's it's a very special thing to be a part of, you yeah. know. And so I I love it, and I want more people to be a part of it. I want yeah. more people to get a sense of that. And so that's part of why the book. I want more people who have never heard of recovery, who wouldn't even think recovery is for them because they think celebrate recovery is just for drug addicts and alcoholics, hmm. are going to say. Oh, okay, wait, maybe it is for people like me, you know? Um, and, and in fact, it's, you know, here at Saddleback, one third of the people who attend have drug and alcohol issues. The rest have a, a wide variety of other issues. And yeah. so, um, you know, my hope is that other people will get that as well. Yeah. You know? Great. So, yeah. Wrap us up. You got one more question there? Yeah. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about how we can encourage our loved ones or family, friends or whatever, who are going through a hurt, a hang up, a habit or whatever. Yeah. How, how can we come around them yeah. and and love on them best and encourage them best? So let me first say that if, if, if you have somebody who's a loved one who's in a, a situation where they need recovery, but they haven't yet sought it out for mm -hmm. themselves, that could be a really difficult situation, whether it's a spouse or a child or a sibling or something like that. And I think the, the closer the bond is, the harder that gets. Yeah. Um, and so I would just say, first, it's not your job as the loved one to fix that person. You can't mm. fix them anyway. And uh, you might think you can. That's why we have mm. groups for you. So <laughs> recovery as well. But, uh, <laughs> the, you know, but um, they're also, they're not going to change until the pain exceeds mm. their fear of change. Mm -hmm. And so um, one thing that we can actually do that discourages people from changing is make it, we can make it too soft. We can hmm. make it, we can try to take away their pain from their situations. Now I'm not saying turn your back on your loved one. I'm not saying don't bail people out of jail. If they go to jail, you know, those are all things that you're going to have to decide on your own. Hmm. But the reality is, is that we can be a little too soft um, and keep people from feeling the pain that they really need to feel in yeah. order to change. So the first yeah. thing is, if you have a loved one, you can't change them. The second thing is, if they are going through a hard time, you may need to back off a little bit so they feel the pain of their choices a little mm -hmm. more. Um, and the third thing is, never give up on them. Keep praying for them, keep inviting them to recovery, keep inviting them to church, keep giving them resources and doing whatever it is you can. Mm -hmm. um, but just know that if they're telling you, hey, I, I don't want that right now, they 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 may not be able to express that they appreciate it, but they do. And it's going to take some time for them to get there. But, but I often share my story because in 1999, I was arrested for a DUI and my call that I, the one call I got from jail was to my dad, who's also the founder and pastor of Celebrate <laughs> Recovery. And I'm sure there was a moment now he won't admit this, but I'm sure there was a moment where he must have been really upset 
really hurt that he his son who had watched him go down this road had had made some of these bad choices himself and yeah. uh you know it was probably a little embarrassing for the founder mm-hmm. and pastor of Celebrate Recovery to have a son who had just gotten arrested for a DUI and and again he's never admitted that but I can just imagine yeah but he never gave up on me when I was ready for recovery I came right to him because he'd been so loving during the time where I wasn't ready for recovery mm-hmm. and he was a was an amazing example for me now to say yeah, he had a conversation with me on the way home from jail that night. He said, hey, you're making some bad decisions. I think you need to take a look at your actions, but it's up to you. Mm-hmm. He, I knew where to go. He didn't, He could have, I mean, guys, he could have gone off. You know, yeah. he could have, how dare you and all this stuff and what are you doing? But he didn't. Yeah. And, uh, it, but when I was ready, again, he was the first phone call. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been trying to do this on my own for like the last 30 days. I'm exhausted. What do, what do mm-hmm. I do next? Mm-hmm. And so- um, so don't give up on that person. Now, if they're in recovery and you're supporting them, the, the biggest thing you can do is go with them. Mm. Um, my favorite thing about Celebrate Recovery is it's not just for one issue. So if your spouse or your sibling or your kid has a drug or alcohol issue or a spending issue or a pornography issue or an anger issue, they can attend for their issue and then you can attend for yourself as well. And it's mm. really important actually that you do because you're gonna find healing and you're gonna find other people um, who are going through that same situation. And you're going to get a little encouragement, not a little, you're going to get a lot of encouragement, a lot of tools and things like that that will help you figure out how to help them and also to deal with some of your own onion because we yeah. all have those issues. Um, and then just know that this is a, um, while there is a road to freedom, it's not a straight line. It's not mm-hmm. the kind of thing that you just, you start one day and 12 steps later, you're fixed. Um, it's going to be a windy road. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be all those kinds of things. But um mm-hmm the best part about it is that we have a forever family of people at churches all around the world who do celebrate recovery, who are walking that road with us. Yeah. And so I would just encourage you to get, become a part of it. You know, yeah. it's one thing to cheer that person on from the sidelines. It's another thing to walk next to them and say, Hey, I've got my own issues too. Mm-hmm. As I shared about my wife a little while ago, when she went through her own recovery, we actually began speaking the same recovery language. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, you know, mm-hmm. just like in, Christianese, there's recovery ease. You know, there's things that we say that other people don't understand. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I'll never forget one night I came home from recovery meeting and she said, Hey, you seem off. You okay? And I said, I'm just, I'm in my head. And she goes, yeah, I I hate it when you say that. And I I said, why? She goes, cause I I don't know what you mean. Mm. I tried to explain it, but it's something that's kind of hard to explain. And so she, uh, years later, when she went through her own recovery, I she came home one night from her stepson and I said, hey, how's it going? She goes, oh, babe, I'm in my head all day. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that is such a weird response. And I said, no, you get it. Like you, we're speaking the same language now. And so yeah. she, we went from supporting each other to walking on the same path together. And it's such a huge, it's such a change because we're on the same team and we want the same stuff and the yeah. whole thing. So yeah. Uh, being the loved one of someone who's in recovery can be really tough. And so that's why I always suggest you get into recovery for yourself yeah. as well. So tell our listeners and viewers, if they want to get connected to Lake Forest, Celebrate yeah. Recovery, give them, the, give them all the info. We'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, so Lake Forest, uh, we meet here at Saddleback Church every Friday night, 52 weeks a year. Even if that Friday night is a Christmas, we're still here. Um, we meet from 7 to 8 o'clock, uh, usually in the worship center here at uh, Lake Forest, and then we split up. All of our groups are gender-specific and recovery issue-specific here on Friday nights. Um, so that would be your first step. Show up here um, and become a part of it. If you're not in 
one of the Saddleback campuses. We do have it at some of the other campuses as well. And mm-hmm. uh, you can find out all that information on the on the website when and where they meet. Cool. Um, but if you're listening to this from someplace else or watching this from someplace else, you want to get involved in Celebrate Recovery, there are 30,000 of them all over the world. And so CelebrateRecovery.com is a great resource. Uh, find a group. They're not all listed it's, there, but lots of them are. And uh, you can find a Celebrate Recovery in your area that's yeah, so cool. to get started as well. I love that. And where's the best place for them to get this book, You know, you, which it, they should do? You know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Pastors.com, lots of different places to get it. Audiobook, Kindle version. Anywhere books are sold. Yeah. And the audiobook is performed by a Mr. Johnny Baker. It is. It is indeed. Yeah, that was... Oh, you've already recorded that? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was much harder. I've got two audible credits left. I'm going to go and get That was much harder than writing it. Dude, I bet. I bet. Uh, You can also find it at saddleback.com slash books. We'll link you out to Amazon or pastors.com, all that good stuff. Johnny, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Love it. A lot of fun. We'll have you on again real soon. Sounds good. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.